Chris Abigail. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much. What for up? What here. up? What's up? Uh, it's myself, Coleman. Hunter's over there. Hey. Producer Haley's Haley. Producer Haley's off. Hey screen. Haley. Say hello, Haley. It should just be a thing. It yeah. is. Just yeah. accept yeah. it. Yeah. 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 There's multiple producers over there. <laughs> Nah, I'm okay. You can have the title. Uh, seriously, thanks so much for coming on. We're, yeah, it was this great. has been on the calendar for a little bit. And uh, I remember Hunter dropped your name, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's that must have. <laughs> so we're oh. excited to hear about your story and, and where you came from and what you do now and, and uh, just your mindset of being in the outdoors. Uh, so, so, what, okay. where, how did you get to Texas? So, uh, the long way. Long way, yeah. yeah, I was um, I was born in El Salvador, okay. in San Salvador, and we immigrated uh, during the Civil War to Chicago when I was two. Wow! So I consider myself pretty much like a the Chicago Salvadorian native. Civil War. Yeah, the Salvadorian <laughs> Just, Civil War. <laughs> Just to be clear for Why everybody else doing here. Doing the math in my head, like no way. <laughs> this girl's done ancestry.com, you know. Yeah, you know. <laughs> No, which would have been what, the 80s, 90s? Yeah, that would have been the early 80s. Okay. Yeah, the early 80s. Uh, <laughs> I just had to, had to you know, Americans, we're not good with geography yeah, and no, history. More history. Yeah. So. I, yeah, you could spoil We try war, to forget. We yeah. try to forget. I have no idea what happened. Um, Sorry. So it's okay. So we ended up in Chicago, you know, middle of the city. Uh, grew up down the street from Wrigley Field. You know, my awesome. exposure to nature was Lincoln Park Zoo, which I believe is still the only last free zoo in the country. Whoa. You know, what so that, mean? that means it's public. So you can, oh, there's, you know, weird. free, like literally yeah. free. It's like a park, essentially, oh, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> is that why you're the producer? Well, well, I don't know. That can mean so many things. Like yeah. animals, are they? They're not like really free room. Yeah, it's not free. like a safari. That's a safari park. That's yeah, a safari yeah. park. <laughs> yeah. okay. Although a safari park in the middle of uh, downtown Chicago would be great. Because it really is. It's in the middle of the city. Yeah. It really you is. Know? Yeah. Minus so many. And, and the Lake Michigan's yeah. right there. It's beautiful. And Lake Michigan is right there. And so that was pretty much cool. my exposure. And maybe about 20 or so years ago, my parents started looking for a second home to get out of the winters in Chicago. And uh, they ended up in the hill country. And they bought a ranch out near Sisterdale and uh, never thought, and I never thought that living in Texas was a thing that would happen. You know, it was just a vacation home. I was a professional photographer for a long time up in Chicago. I did live performance, burlesque a lot. You know, I worked in circus. I was very much an urban kid. Um but then one year, all my camera equipment got stolen, effectively like ending my career. Yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. And when was this? Uh, this was 2014. Okay. So this was in 2014. And so I was kind of wandering around trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do. That was my identity at the time. And I had already reinvented myself a couple of times and it had felt like home. And so it was very much like a death. You know, I was I was grieving for a long time. I still haven't bought a camera, you know. So uh, I decided to take the safest risks that I knew, which was move to my parents' ranch in Texas. No idea what I was going to do there. My friends considered it my retirement. 
Um, <laughs> they were like, she's just going to go retire to it's raise Urban alternative Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Moving to a ranch in Texas. Moving to a ranch in, in Texas. Sisterdale. In Sisterdale. Um, and so I thought, hey, maybe, you know, I can't do my photography. Obviously, you know, the editorial fashion burlesque circus scene doesn't really exist in rural Texas just yet. Not in public, at least. Uh, And so I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll be a chef. You know, we had a lot of dinner parties in Chicago, supper clubs, things like that. My dad is from a line of chefs. You know, I'm a reasonably good cook. And so I started kind of looking into that. And I went to the Culinary Institute in San Antonio. And I think I got the best advice I've ever gotten there. And the counselor, the admittance lady told me, if you've never done restaurant work, then you need to go work in a restaurant for six months Mm. and then decide if being a chef is what you want to do because it's expensive. I said, oh, that sounds reasonable. And so I went looking for work, and I worked kind of odd jobs in restaurants here and there. Um, And I realized that I wasn't enough of a masochist, you know, to kind of take that on, Mm. to be a chef in a restaurant. Uh, That I had really come to Texas to kind of look for a quieter life. And so I ended up answering a Craigslist ad that we're looking for game processing, and I had no idea what game processing was. Uh, I had, and but it was had. It said, uh, "Learn knife skills," and I was like, "Ooh, a chef needs knife skills." Mm. I've never done that before, and so, but I didn't know what game meant. I didn't know really that hunting was still a thing. You know, for me, hunting kind of existed in like the murky corners of my world. You know, it wasn't part of my life. It wasn't part of a culture that I knew. And, uh, but I knew that knife skills were handy for chefs to have. And so I thought, well, this is something new and different and not something I've never done before. And that's like right up my alley, you know? (laughs) It's like, oh, I don't know that. Let's go learn about it. So I remember calling my now boss and him saying, well, you have no experience <laughs> and you don't know what you're doing. So we'll probably just have you wash dishes, package meat. And I was like, that's fine. You know, I think that like I'll learn by osmosis, you know, maybe one day I'll be lucky. And, you know, one of these professional butchers will pull me aside and be like, hey. Yeah. Uh, but 10 minutes into my first day, uh, and let me backtrack. I landed in the middle of hunting season. So I landed in December. What year would this have been? This would have been 2016. So okay. I moved to Texas in 2015 and kind of wandered around aimlessly for a year. Sure. And uh, we've all had journeys like that. You know? <laughs> trying to figure it out. And then so 2016 is when I landed at, uh, at my job at the shop. And it was the middle of the season. And it's one of those things that if you're breathing, we'll hire you, you know. And they were like, well, she seems like a reasonably capable human. And 10 minutes into my first day, they took me off of packaging and put a knife in my hand. And I'd been there ever since. So I'm going into, I think, like my seventh or eighth deer season, so 2016. Yeah, like my seventh deer season. Wow. 
mm-hmm. you work at the same processor? I work at the same processor. Yeah, what mm-hmm. is that? That's uh, Cow Creek Taxidermy and Game Processing. We're out of Bernie, uh, in the middle of nowhere, also. It's about, yeah. you know, like seven minutes from my ranch. It's very word of mouth. My boss is this, like, just cool dude. Um, his family is one of the founding families in the area. Uh, he's been doing gaming, processing, butchery in some form of another since he was four years old. You know, uh, he's now he's our taxidermist. You know, so he does taxidermy, award winning, like awesome guy. And he really kind of took me under his wing. You know, I think after I was hired on as seasonal. And after my first season there, he like pulled me aside and he's always got like a big old chaw. right here and nice like southern draw and yeah. he's like texas yeah text yeah. like texas <laughs> i have him i do have him saved in my phone as john wayne because yeah. he is just like oh yeah you know uh he goes to me well you know chris abigail you've done me a good job i should like to keep you on and teach you <laughs> I <love laughs> and it. i was like I love it yeah and i was like yes sir yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. And so over the last few years, he's really sort of mentored me and um, and helped me sort of grow in, in this career. And throughout it, I think one of the things that really struck me at first was how much I didn't know about the food I was eating. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was... I came down here, I think, thinking that I was a, like, very open-minded, educated, cultured sort of person and was sort of confronted with a lot of my own biases and my own thoughts about hunting and conservation and... And what were those thoughts? Well, those thoughts were that hunting was still barbaric, right? Hunting was the de-evolution of man, um... Because you're told that your cows are free range. And and really, honestly, you don't even really think about it. Really, you know, it's very rare that you'll meet someone that actually does consciously think about it. And so when I came down here and I started working for a man that on the surface is like my complete opposite. Right. Very rural. Grew up hunting. Grew up in the country. Um, But I have learned so much from him about how to really truly be an open human being, you know, Um, and oh, I'm going to start crying. I didn't know. I really do. I love him. (laughs) Um, That's great. That's awesome. But. You know, I remember asking if I could learn more, you know, learn how to actually take, you know, carcasses apart and and do all that. And slowly over time, you know, it's brought in. It's a it's a dirty job Mm -hmm. and it's not a job that women typically do. And so there was a bit, I think, of a natural sort of resistance. Sure. You know, it's like women can, but they shouldn't. It's ugly. It's dirty, you know. 
Or um, why would you? you why, know, or yeah. why would you, right? Based on um, stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but for me, it was incredible to think about the fact that I could never get away from the fact that this was an animal. There's a, like no point in the process of what I do that I can forget that what I'm doing is I'm taking muscles from a living creature that life was taken, life was sacrificed. However, however you want to frame it for yourself, this animal died. And then you're taking this animal apart and turning it into food. And that whole process to me was life-changing. It's beautiful in a way. It yeah, is. Yeah. It really it really made me, I think, a more compassionate, a more empathetic person. Uh, it really made me consider what I like to call our invisible labor, mm. right? When we go out to the store, uh, H-E-B, right? And we go to H-E-B and we go buy a steak and we enjoy it. Maybe we think about, you know, the price of the steak, or maybe we think about, oh, I'm going to buy it from this farm, or we think about the person at the checkout, but you don't think about the farmer that gets up, or the rancher that gets up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whose political ideologies may not be yours, mm -hmm. but they're still getting up to feed you, mm -hmm. right? You're still, they're still feeding you, and then you talk about, the folks that are in the meat plants, right? The slaughtermen. You talk about the processors, you know, the folks that are in our industrialized farming, um, in the industrialized farming industry that suffer a lot mentally and physically from the work and they're not acknowledged, right? It's, it's a tough job and it's a dirty job and it's a necessary job. And it provides the one thing that we all have in common, despite what we believe, despite how we live, everything, right? Like we all eat and we all eat food. And so I started thinking about the, all these people that we don't see, that we don't acknowledge. And I thought to myself, well, I'm in a position where I've come from a very urban network of people who were just as ignorant as I am. And I have the ability basically to be the ambassador, right? To say, hey, all my friends, <laughs> you know, everyone I know, this is what meat looks like before it becomes your meat. Let's talk about it. Because I started thinking about how as meat eaters, if you're eating meat, you have a responsibility for the stewardship of the animals that you're eating. And if it's hard for you to confront that fact that you are eating an animal and that you're responsible for the stewardship of it, then I think you have to take a look and reconsider your relationship to food. So then maybe you don't need to be eating meat. You know, I always say that even I'm a butcher, but I have probably more in common with vegans and vegetarians you know, than I do with commercial meat eaters. Because for me, hunting 
is the most sustainable and ethical way to source your meat. I think, and that was like a huge change from thinking about hunting being like the de-evolution or barbaric of man to under, to realize that it's actually the most honoring way, the most honoring way, the most like a lot of respect, so much respect, you know, there's in every subset of a culture, you have 10%, maybe even less one to 5% of the population that ruins it for everybody else. Right. 98% of hunters are out there who they know more Mm. about the animal they're hunting than the people who are saying don't hunt those animals. You know, they have more love, more respect, more knowledge, more acknowledgement, and more honor in what they're doing. You know, I love, you know, I can butcher beef and pigs and all of that, but I love wild game because those carcasses tell me a story. Right. Mm -hmm. You look at an animal, you can see what part of Texas it's from. Or, you know, a lot of times I'll get elk from New Mexico, elk from Colorado. Um, You can tell the difference. You can tell the difference. You know, uh, some they come with mesquite thorns. Right. They come with cactus thorns. They come with broken ribs. They come with arrowheads that didn't kill them, that the body then calcified around. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and. And that in itself, it's like you're in this constant uh, data download, I would say, like from nature, right? Like every animal, I always tell my crew that every animal is the same, but every animal is different. And to me, that's like really beautiful because every animal has the same basic structure, right? But they come to you having lived a whole life. And that whole life is on your table, you know? And so to me... My job is to honor the animal. No matter what the animal has gone through, it's like my job is to make the best possible food out of this animal. Yeah. Get the to most honor from it. it. To so. get the most from it. Get the get get whatever you can, you know, and and in that way, I think that wild game is great for like the culinary imagination. Right. I think that wild game has had this bad rap of being gamey um, or not being good for anything other than burger. And so a lot of hunters, that's what they'll do. Yeah. You know, they just or sausage, you know, and it's like, oh, but, you know, you could you could do so much more and just honor the animal in a different way, explore what you can do, and at that same time, incorporate the animal um, into lots of different dishes, you know? But when it came to being a chef versus being a butcher, um, I definitely found, for me personally, a lot more purpose in the butchery part of the yeah. culinary world, yeah. yeah. It's super cool. It's it so is. much fun. It is really fun. <laughs> it's fun, you know? I mean, taking that back even a step further, you just kind of ran through your story, which is awesome, and I love it. Um, you know, here you are coming from Chicago, which isn't like meat. It is. I wouldn't call Chicago a meat-negative city. No. There's a lot of meat in Chicago. Um, yeah. You come down here, kind of a fish out of water. Yeah. You start working at this game processing <laughs> place. What is it? You kind of spoke on it, but what was like – the the main thing that hooked you into wanting to do that was it the mentorship was it the 
finding a new skill? Was it a new identity? What was it? Um, like what made you stick with it for so many years? <laughs> you know, and fall in love with it the way that you talk about it. It's uh, for me, it's art. I think it's probably. Uh, I've always been an artist of some sort, whether it's been a writer or a visual artist or a performance artist or something. I've always wanted to create. And so it was both meditation and creativity. You know, there's something about taking a whole carcass. Yeah. And from there, carving through the muscles, following seams to create something completely different. Mm. And that that transformation was addicting in a way. You're like a step away from a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> well. No, no. That's, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. Anyway. That was a setup for that bit. No, yeah, that's right. Um, no, that's incredible. You, yeah. you don't really think about it that way. Yeah. You know? yeah. Until, yeah. I guess, you experience it. And then yeah. just the meeting of your own creativity and what makes you passionate. And then yeah. getting in there and doing that, it sparked that in you. It really did. You know, and I really, I love working with my hands. And it really, it filled me with a sense of purpose. You know, because what I do, and a lot of people ask, you know, if they can come to the shop and buy, you know, buy meat or do this or do that. Um, but what we do is called custom exempt. And what that means is that the animal always belongs to the hunter and what they're paying for is the labor of our work and so that means that for me every animal that comes through my doors has a family's name on it has i know where it's going that's cool yeah it's like so not only does it give me purpose but i've always been like a serviceful kind of person yeah it's like I, we're providing us a, a necessary service. Yeah. You know, oftentimes our hunters don't have time or maybe it's an older hunter, you know, or it's a newer hunter that doesn't know. Or oftentimes, really, it's that our products are so good <laughs> that they're like, it's hard work. We know they love doing it. We know that they do a good job. Let's just bring it to them. And so for us, it is an honor. For us and like I think for just company wide, my crew, you know, it's really uh, the culture that my boss handed on to me and the culture that I've tried to create and the culture that I try to bring out is that in everything we do, there's purpose and there's honor in that purpose, you know, and we're here to provide a service. And we're not, I think, not unlike a restaurant in that way, right? We're making food, you know, and so... All the, you know, the few years that I worked in kitchen work, that also sticks with me, right? How, what is it going to look like? You know, we start thinking about, okay, well, what is this cut going to look like when the client cooks it? So then how do we need to butcher it, you know? Or this client in particular, they don't like any fat in anything. They like stuff to be extra lean or... You know, this client doesn't care and they they just want to turn everything into sausage. Okay, well, then let's, you know, let's make the best sausage they've ever made. And so that part of it, that like what I call like bespoke butchery part of it is really attractive to me. Because when I was a photographer, 
I had that same connection with my models, you know, where it was, were there, like, I'm having a conversation with the carcass, right? It's like, okay, well, we want to make fajitas. Well, where's the best place? How are we going to do this? Because what if the animal got shot in the hind quarter, you know? And how are we going to make people's meat dreams come true? So <laughs> that's, that's making meat dreams that's, come true. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I always so say. Each, I should just make, each me... project, each job, each carcass is a new. Is with intention. Yes, it's a new adventure. It's a, it's a new adventure and a new product for each yeah. person, even though it's the same animal. Yeah. Each animal is the same, but also not. But also not, yeah. you know. Um, and like my boss, he still hand mixes all the seasonings for each client. Wow. That's cool. You know, there's well, and a lot of it is because there's still secret recipes, but I've been working on them for seven years and I've gotten a couple of good like tidbits. <laughs> You'll wear them maybe, down. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe one day I'll get, I'll get all of them. But like this dry sausage that I bought from y'all, which is yeah. from an odd Hold it up. Hold it up. Yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, show the camera. Jalapeno. Audad uh, dry sausage that we make. This is his family's recipe from like, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Um, and so everything we do is also old school. So there's an art, I think, to, I landed in the right place. I think, I, you know, for whatever, I believe that the universe conspires to make your dreams come true, even if you don't really know what your dreams are, you just kind of and I'm just, and I'm always like, a, let's go. What's that over there? That's curious. I'm yeah. curious by nature. Yeah. Um, but part of it that drew, that what drew me to it was that we do everything old school. Until a couple years ago, we were still using like hand crank sausage stuffers wow. from 1918 that his grandparents got at their wedding. Wow. <laughs> you know, if and, it ain't broke. Yeah. <laughs> if it ain't broke. If it ain't broke. Uh, I'm going to give up on a garment. So you, bro- <laughs> so you broke it on purpose? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we broke it a couple of times. You know, yeah, we're not, what, we're what not happened? as gentle. What, what was the switch? What, what uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, we have, we have steadily grown um, every year since we've been there. And so the demand to like upgrade the facility and move move to more heavy duty machines is rising. Um, but everything we do still has a human hand in it, you know, and I find that really special, you know. Uh, we cold smoke, um, which is essentially we have these buildings that look like outhouses. And it's a wash tub basin, and we fill it with post oak, and we've got a lid, and we hang our sausage. And, you know, we don't have temperature controls. It's all, it's an art, right? It's like, what is the wind doing today? What's the temperature going to look like? Are we going to have a cold front? You know, all of that, um, which you can't do if you're USDA. Uh, you, because this is essentially a non-cooked product. This product is cold smoked and then air dried naturally. Um, but I prefer it that way, to be quite honest. Yeah. I do prefer it that way. I think it's a dying art, both butchery and uh, specifically like hill country ways of doing sausage. Uh, Why do you think it's a dying art? Nobody's really interested in it. It's because we're disconnected. Yeah. We're disconnected from our food. 
mm-hmm. right? So <clears throat> if you're disconnected about from your food, if you're disconnected from, if you don't have access to nature, if you don't have access to hunting, if you don't have the resources and the education, then why are you going to care about it? Right. Yeah. You know, and so. It's so different than heritage or traditions or anything. Yeah. 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 And so, and part of, so part of my, like, part of my soapbox is bringing to light our, both our disconnection to food and our lack of access to the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I felt that I started out on my social media where I would do this thing called Meet Your Meat. That's my little, my brand or whatever. Yeah. And so that's what I would start posting pictures of what an animal looks like before it became, uh, before it became food. And you I got a tattoo, right? Of this I do. Thing? I do. Yeah. This is my, I got this in 2017 before I would say I considered myself a butcher. But they say if you build it, you know, it'll come. It'll come. Right. Yeah. So I had a, I was only into, like, I think my second deer season. Wow. I still didn't know what I was doing. That's so cool. But I did know that I wanted, like, I always wanted to do something in off season to, like, honor the previous season. Yeah. So this was, like, to commemorate that I had made it through my second deer season. Cool. Um, I don't have an off season anymore. So, <laughs> you know, we yeah. stay pretty busy throughout the year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I like form and function and it's been pretty functional. I have used it to actually teach folks about like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, it's not, it's it's not a venison meat chart. It is a beef meat chart overlaid, but over, yeah, yeah, over. Oh, I was always, um, I remember telling my tattoo artist that it had to be an access book. She had to make sure it was an access book because I wasn't going to be out here with like some no name. Yeah. Buck trying to tell hunters what? I knew what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so true. Uh, yeah. yeah, but in uh, so, but over the years, I have definitely had hunters come up and be like, "Oh, an access buck on your arm," and that's I feel so cool. validated. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. okay. It's like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, well, we do this segment where it's Haley, our producer, asks us. Uh, uh, some speed questions. Speed round. Rapid questions. Oh, oh speed no. Round questions. Yeah. A little breaky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's do it. Sponsored um, by uh, Hopefully sponsored Spin by Drift. Spindrift soon. Spindrift. We love yeah. Shout out. We drink uh, so much of it. <laughs> Your wild game butcher and loves the blood orange tangerine. Yes. It's on brand. On brand. Meet your meat. Yeah. Meet your meat. Blood orange. Welcome to our speed round hour. Our meet your meat. Butcher. Yeah. <laughs> What okay. do you have for us today? Hit. Do you All put right. like plastic tarps down everywhere when you? Uh, <laughs> Only for you, Hunter. Okay. It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of butchering going on here. All right. Weirdest thing you've ever eaten? Go. Whoever wants to jump. I'll go in. first. Uh, the Philippines, a balut. Oh. Which is fertilized chicken egg. Mm-hmm. I eat two of them, so they sell them on the street, and they give it to you in this little plastic bag, oh. and it's an egg, um, and it's been slightly cooked. And it will have the baby chicken inside of it. So Whoa. based on the amount of days old it is, it'll have bones or feathers or beak. And I think I ate an 11 and a 12. So it was like beak. No feathers yet, but like beak and bones. So uh, so they also just so pour so malt vinegar all over it. So <laughs> you were like, well, what did it taste like? I'm like, well, it tastes is like malt vinegar. It's yeah, um, it's like salty, right? Yeah, I'm it's sure like, there's, I'm yeah. sure it's New York fun. City, San Francisco, LA, you can oh, find yeah. some. You can definitely find um, some, yeah. And yeah. especially in like, so in like Asian towns yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But uh, it's good. I mean, it's good. Okay. It's uh, chicken fetus. 
chicken yeah. fetus. I honored it by eating it. <laughs> you did. Yeah. You did. Well, there's too many chickens anyway. They're useless. I've probably eaten more things that were weirder. I just didn't know it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've eaten a lot of you weird things. It all. Come on. Yeah. Uh, zebra, ostrich. I did when I was young. When I was young, though, I did eat iguana. I thought that was pretty, yeah. In, I think El, Salvador? in El Salvador? That's pretty yeah. normal, isn't it? I don't, no. I don't think so. No. Like, no. Am I just making stuff up? are like going to war versus the uh, iguanas. Listen, they're not, they're not bad. They're real lean. I remember it being are. really lean, kind of like rabbit, hmm. you know? Also not a meat I eat. Yeah. You don't eat rabbit? No, no. Bunnies? Bunnies? <laughs> no. Okay, so that's an interesting, that's an interesting, like, idea and i think i heard it i mean i would eat it would you yeah i'd eat anything okay would you would you <laughs> i'm gonna regret this <laughs> i'd eat anything once oh, yeah oh i'm the same i'll try anything uh let me ask you this the would ocean you, is where i get a little iffy okay but i'll still try things what know? about primate so okay now you can give me in Let's trouble get into it. look if i'm in a place and like a tribe kills a baboon or something i'll eat it like, yeah if, if someone yeah. gives me it yeah to, i'm not gonna say no to food, yeah. especially if it's like not to sound like such a privileged white american but like if it's from a place especially where this is a big deal for them yeah yeah like i'm 100 gonna eat yeah. it yeah and so if that was like a baboon or a monkey to, then yeah. yes yeah, yeah. I, I think i would too it, it, but something pigs are just as smart as people. They just don't. Yeah. Thumbs, you know? I mean, I'm sure it looks the same on a plate, Colin. You try yeah, it. The but... thing that looks more like a human in my yeah was yeah was a bear carcass. Huh. A bear carcass. What yeah. makes it look like a human? Like does this? Like, like you said, the hands. Yeah, when the it was skin's the hand. off, and it's yeah, just, it's yeah. like when the skin's off. But like even just like hanging, it kind of just looks like a big <sighs> dude. <laughs> you know, it's real creepy. Like and then that's <laughs> why so we're called bears. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, pop a bear. Right there. <laughs> Colin, um, what's your? Fi- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's bad. <laughs> I don't know. It's something about the. I don't know. I would eat it. I would eat it. You know, but. have you watched um, a Netflix? Have you watched this show called Chimp Empire? I just watched it. I've heard it. about it. Incredible. Did you watch how they were hunting Incredible. little monkeys? How did that make you feel? It, it, weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was weird. Like, it was like weird. Watching a, watching... Have you eaten primate at all? No. Would Not you? That I, yeah, of course. Yeah. Coleman, what's yeah, the weirdest anyways. thing you've eaten? <laughs> um, I got the chance to hunt pronghorn a while back. Oh, that's delicious. That behind their eyes is... Um, is, is historically like good to eat like native americans would like pick it and it's like a little treat so hmm. i ate that how was it uh it was it was good it was like beef fat like i really liked it juicy fresh off the like right after just the like kill. fresh off right the, after kill. the kill yeah it was good producer Warm. Haley. Yeah, oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know that though. I have a good one. I'm trying to think. I'm My sure I have. Do you want to eat I mean, this I've odd had... dad dry sausage? And Absolutely. You could, like, but that's not even weird to me. I feel like I, odd dad. It seems weird. odd dad. Yeah, it's, that's guys saying craw dad. Odd dad. A resident, a resident city boy hunter. Yeah. People Aw-dad. don't usually do anything with odd dad. It's a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Think so. Yeah. Absolutely. So, my first time. And probably like my first and really only hunt was Audad. Hmm. Uh, I happened to, my friends happened to know these people out of Mason, Texas, and they run a ranch out there called Operation Orphan, which everyone should look up. And what they do is that they take 
foster kids, kids in like orphanages, and they take them to the outdoors and they take them to this, I think it's like 600 acres. I mean, it's pretty big. And then they have some surrounding ranches where they'll take the kids out, shoot them, teach them how to shoot, and they can hunt wow. Audad, Black Buck, Access, and Whitetail. And Audad, <laughs> you know, they overrun things. So yeah. uh, it just so happened that they needed some Audads called. And I had gotten to the point of, in my butchery career that I was like, it's time, right? This is like the next step. Yeah, you honor it on the back end. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. going to be a question I asked is, have you yeah. ever honored it on the front end? Yeah, and that was, I don't think I've ever felt more a part of the cycle of like nature and life than I did at that moment. Mm. Yeah, there was, it was really an indescribable feeling of I think humility in a lot of ways and you know you just sit there and I'm watching these odd dads come up in the morning and there's like a group of 60 of them yeah so many so many you know and they were just like and for a long time we just watched them you know converge and there was a few times that I had like the opportunity to take the shot. And of course I was like nervous as all hell <laughs> as I'd never done it before. But I knew, you know, it's like I knew I needed to do it. But I had also told myself that if it wasn't the right shot and it wasn't the right moment, that I was okay walking away with nothing. And so I had like five or six opportunities to take a shot. But they were never quite right. And it feels like you're sitting there in that moment and you're just asking for nature to, like, give you the right moment, you know. You're not trying to control it. You're not trying to create it, you know. And we're just, you're just in a place of asking. Mm -hmm. At least for me, you know, I was in a place of just asking. And when I took my Audad... She was, it was a U, a nice-sized U. She was off on her own. And I remember that she, like, looked up into the sun. The sun has just started coming up. And I was like, it's now or never. It's like, you, it's like we got to do this. You got to take this step because this is the only way you're going to know. You know, this is the only way. And I took the shot, and she went down immediately. And I remember my guide, Brian, and my friend Donna were with me. And they just were both, like, in utter shock because all dads are known for being really hardy and for running off into the brush. And they had warned us, hey, you probably won't get a one and done. They're hardy. They'll run off into the brush. And that, and that thought, and I know that it happens. I mean, I've seen it happen. I've been with hunters when it happens, the bad shot happens. But you always like want it to not be that time. You do, I think, everything you can to make sure that it's not that time. And I felt so grateful. You know, I had think I did I did a heart and lung shot. So she went down. Immediately. Immediately. She was done immediately. And I went down and I sat with her for a minute and I thanked her. And I remember that I think that Brian prayed. And 
we took the quintessential Han shot, right? <clears throat> yeah. I never been. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you got your <laughs> rifle and you've got and you've got your animal. And you know, when we were talking about the biases that I faced, that was one of the last ones I think that I overcame. Because when you don't hunt and you're not in hunting and you're not in the outdoors and you see a picture of a person with a rifle and a dead animal, all you feel is how cruel, how sad. Seems like ego. Ego. Yeah. What a braggart, right? And, but when we took my photo, it wasn't that at all. It was, I wanted every possible way of honoring this animal. And remembering. And remembering, and remembering how it felt in that moment. Like, how humble and how grateful and how connected, like it was, like how connected you are to everything. And so then I took that photo and I remember putting it on my Facebook and knowing, you know. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it was like, it was okay that I was a butcher before, but now I'm quote unquote a killer. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember writing a post about it and saying the exact same thing. I took this photo and I'm posting this photo because you need to know what it actually, what these photos actually mean. You know, I know from like the photographer's standpoint, and now I know from like a hunter standpoint, how meaningful, because it takes you back to that moment. It takes you back to like the sense of purpose. It takes you back to how it felt to be vulnerable in that moment, you know? And then to trust yourself, to trust the moment, to trust the process. Uh, and then by that same token, you know, after after we took her and I, we took her back to the shop and I butchered her and made delicious food out of her, I, uh, I got her done as a euro. You know, it's a euro mount, so mm-hmm. they take the... Okay. Hunter doesn't know. All right. So your, <laughs> a euro it's mount like a, is... Like, like a French style? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, I wish. Like maybe like a little... <laughs> like a little... Cigarette. Cigarette. Well, now she's going to dr- get dressed up every holiday, which my friend Donna does do, which I totally love and appreciate. But so euro mount is essentially they take the skull, sans jaw, and they bleach it. Okay. Along with horns or racks or yeah. whatever, and then they mount it onto a. I think like, you got one right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. on a longhorn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I got, um, I got my odd dad done as a euro mount, as another way of understanding that taxidermy, in its own way, is not about being a trophy but about honoring this animal that once walked among us, you know? And this animal was given a purpose. And so she hangs up in my meat room now. And so I look at her every day. And uh, it always just reminds me of like 
the purpose of what we do. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's so incredible that you got to experience that from start to finish, literally, yeah. because so many hunters don't get to, you know, butcher the animal and yeah. honor them in that way. So you got literally to step yeah. from start to finish with that animal and yeah. are still honoring her today. And that's really um, what a beautiful memory. Thank you for sharing. And, yeah. and your hands were the only ones that touched it, like, yeah. Like, from, yeah. From yeah. We, um, I wasn't so proficient at skinning then, so my friend uh, Dee taught me how to skin. Yeah, yeah, field dressing, yeah, yeah, the field dressing part. But, you know, I was there. My still, hands were dirty. My still. hands were in it still. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, Haley, you make a great point about hunters not knowing really how to butcher um, and how to, like, think about the animal in a different way. And that's sort of been another part of it where I find that aside from – the beauty and the like spiritual aspect that I find in butchery or the art is really the base that it's an incredible skill, right? It's mm. a great life skill. Sure. It just is. It's a good thing to know, um, especially if we're advocating for stewardship, especially if we're advocating for more people in outdoor spaces, right? It's, it's you have to give people not just the access but also the resources and the knowledge to then be able to feed their families. You know, so that's been part of like my mission as well in trying to do more like butchery education. Um, I've been lucky enough to be the onsite butcher for a few hunts, uh, working with new hunters. That's like my absolute favorite. That's my, like, I love it because it takes me back to my first hunt, you know, and you're in there with that moment with them and having this experience and, you know, that adrenaline, you get like adrenaline rush, you know, by association. Um, And then you can get down to like the work. I think that the work of butcher your own animal, even if you only do it once, and then you say, this is too hard, I'm just gonna give it to Chris Abigail, which is like my preferred version. (laughs) Um, It's important to do the work. There's We've gotten away from feeling purpose and accomplishment and getting our hands dirty and doing, like, just work. You know, dirty, unpretty, messy, get your hands in there and just do the work because you feel such a sense of accomplishment. And I've noticed that whenever I teach, uh, especially women, especially women who come up to me and say, oh, Chris Abigail. I could never do that. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going to put a knife in your hand. You know? <laughs> because there's this sense of empowerment and then the sense of accomplishment. Because not only are you going through the discomfort of it, right? It's like it's never comfortable to butcher an animal. You know, I've been doing it for seven years and I'm still like, this is an animal, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, so... But we're not good at being uncomfortable. And I think that it's a good thing to be uncomfortable. Discomfort breeds growth. Yeah. Right? And so if you can be uncomfortable and go through the process of butchering your own animal or watching an animal get butchered and then see how it's been turned into food that then sustains and nourishes your family, Holy fuck. Yeah. It's a revelation. 
you know it really it really truly is so i really try to like we um i have a collaborative in chicago that we call the buck wild babes <laughs> and it's myself um my chef friend uh jacqueline lord and our sommelier and we would do these crucial crucial <laughs> crucial she's our sommelier and our what does she like to call it? not mixologist but I'm going to fuck it up. Sorry. <laughs> chemist. Chemist. Yeah, go. she's like a beverage chemist. Alchem- alchemy, right? Alchemy. 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 Yeah. She, uh, she actually, we did, so we did these pop-up dinners in Chicago, and I brought an access deer up, and I butchered half an access deer in front of, like, in the middle of, I think it was, like, Logan Square, urban Chicago. Wild. Love it. Yeah. And we talked about the same conversations we're having, right? About stewardship, about the discomfort of seeing an animal being butchered and what that means with your relationship to food and what that means with your relationship to yourself, you know? And so, you know, folks got to have this demo and then they got to eat the access. And I remember folks coming up to me after that first dinner and saying, what a changed experience it was for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I th- remember in particular, there was this one person that uh, had never eaten heart before. And we fed, we gave them access heart. And that they felt connected to the animal. So, and at that point, you know, they had had no part in the hunting or in the butchery or in the food prep. They were merely a spectacle, a spectator, pardon me. Mm-hmm to the whole thing and to still feel some connection to that animal simply because you're presented with it in front of you, I thought was really powerful. It gets people to think about things in a different way. Not everyone has the privilege to say, okay, I'm going to go buy half a cow, right? Or I'm going to go hunt or I'm going to do this. We don't all have the same privilege and access, but I think that at least the acknowledgement of when you go to the store and you buy a steak or you buy something, if you at least take the moment to think about the life, to think about the welfare of the animal, to think about the welfare of the people that participate, I think that sort of enacts change, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, I'm an advocate for direct rancher to, you know, customer sales and I'm a really big advocate for getting people out in the outdoors um you know and I want to be able to do whatever I can to teach these people this skill that I learned that I think is both empowering and necessary yeah so for seven years you've done this trade the Mm -hmm. skill and then it seems like you know it started as a skill as a trade and it grew into more of a philosophy yeah Sure. Um, I mean, what's next? Are you just going to continue to be a butcher, a game processor? Is there more there? Yeah, I think that I definitely have no plans to stop butchering. Um, for me, if you don't do the work, you can't call yourself that, mm. you know, you're constantly I'm still learning. Sure. You know, I feel like I'm at the still the very beginning of my journey in terms of butchery and 
wild game and preserving this old way of doing things and um and really getting myself out there i i have a couple of hunts coming up with bashir from hunters of color we had him on yeah he's super cool um and he reached out you know and so things like that where i'm put in a position to be able to share what i know with people um is really important to me i'm trying to i'm working on launching this uh podcast as well that i call the meat room oh yeah 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 um so i'm filming gonna start filming episodes and then hopefully launch it by opening weekend of deer season so that'll be fun um just because i know so many cool people doing so many cool things and like y'all you know it's like I would love to just be able to have conversations with other butchers, you know, especially other women in the industry, you know, as a, as a female butcher, I'm a rarity as a wild game butcher. I am even more of a rarity, you know, I think I know of one, I believe she's like in Montana and it's her family's business. So she's been doing it her whole life. Um, You know, I'm a Latina. And so I think that there's a lot of, crossover and who I am and what I do where I would like to be a bridge, right? Because I think that I both represent a woman of color in what is a male, you know, male dominated industry. But I also represent hunters, conservation, in the outdoors to people who may think differently about what this is, you know? And I think that's really important. It's important from both. And so it's like, if I'm able to be sort of an ambassador to that conversation of where, Hey, hunting is conservation. Hunting is not just trophy hunting, trophy hunting that exists, but even trophy hunting has its benefits. It's still towards conservation. It's still, you know, if you have like folks who go kill lions and, you know, in Africa and how how they're derided for that. But what people don't realize is that meat can't travel back. Yeah. And that animal isn't just getting thrown out in the field. Right. You know, you have villages that will sell these hunts. Yeah. yeah. And, and that then he's hopefully going to preserve that species. Yeah. And pres- yeah. You know, right. and also so feeding that village and so feeding that village, yeah. you know, so there's a different way of framing things uh, that I think leads to more empathetic, compassionate conversations and hopefully maybe more doors opening to folks who don't typically have access. Yeah. You know, there's this. um there's this saying that like your mere existence is a revolution, right? And so like simply I think by being who I am, I hope to bring more light to the fact that brown and, you know, brown and people of color need more access to the outdoors, but also that to urban, you know, to urban culture, that ranchers and hunters and people who are in the outdoors 
they're the ones that are conserving our green spaces. Yeah. They are really the ones that are raising the funds, doing the work so that we can all enjoy it. You know, literally the boots on the ground. They're the boots Mm -hmm. on the ground. Who, and even if they don't agree, who would make a difference if you just spoke with them? They're your brethren, you know? Yeah. And like, I do feel like you're somebody who has, just looking at you, you know, like (laughs) you have your feet, you look like a butcher from Logan Square. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but you're your wild game butcher in Sisterdale. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're someone who I feel like truly has your feet in two worlds. Yeah. And so to be able to, like you say, a bridge, like, I feel that. Yeah, yeah I love I know that so much. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do we have time for our speech questions still, Haley? Let's do it. We can. We can, if you want. Yeah, why not? Okay. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? We had this last time. That was um, travel, though. Travel. Live. 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 New Braunfels, Texas, baby. (laughs) Yeah, I love her. (laughs) Austin, Texas, baby. (laughs) That's mine. With a summer in Paris. Yeah, for real. (laughs) I'd say somewhere on a beach, some tacos and beer. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, What animal, if it could talk, would be the scariest? Good question. Praying mantis, bro. (laughs) <laughs> i mean those things creamy i'd say no good i'd say rodents mice mm-hmm. because they'll be in your house you know they're so talking smack too they're talking you know? so smack many of them but what if they're like Jerry? yeah but then you hear voices in your home Everywhere. and you'd be like oh yeah i didn't think about that i wouldn't ki- unfortunately uh, though then you wouldn't kill them yeah, yeah right then they'd become yeah. like Stuart little or uh yeah. little french guy what's yeah. the name ratatouille, ratatouille. ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, if he cooks you dinner, though. Yeah, I mean, can you put them to work? Like, do they yeah. speak? <laughs> I think there'd be more respect. Are they still like, get out of my grave? Yeah. IQ's still low. Yeah, you know? the IQ, right, right, like, right, what, right. What, what do they say when they speak? <laughs> okay, and then a movie is being made about your story and life. Who is playing you? Mm. Okay. I mean, I know who I'd want to play me. You know, <laughs> Let's go. Go big or go who home. Who would probably play me is like Kevin James. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. I see like a okay, Jonah Hill you for you. you. Jonah Hill. Yeah, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill? That seems as bad as Jonah's <laughs> <laughs> great. Kevin James. It's hilarious. I'm going to go Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. I feel like it just fits. He's so much shorter like you. than you, though. That's right. People don't know that about him. Yeah. yeah, he's really he's little, and you're not. You're super tall. So tall. Thank you. No one ever knows. He's like, that's the nicest thing anyone's compliment. ever said to me. <laughs> so nice. I'm like five <laughs> eleven. Well, everyone's super, super tall compared to me. So yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you that. Maybe Nora Jones. Mm, Nora Jones. Yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. Just because I think she's pretty. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like this tracks. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, like uh, Ryan Reynolds, but. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Duh. I'm going to go wishes. Rachel McAdams. Yeah. That's Ooh, good. I love Rachel, Rachel McAdams. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's cool. see that. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can see, that. see that. She's just as sassy as you. <laughs> um, she's great and she can do it all. Yeah. Okay. She's all right, awesome. That's all I got. Thank you, Haley. Thank you, Haley. By Spindrift. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, Blood Orange Tangerine. Yeah. For, your, for your local butcher. For your local wild game butcher. Tastes just like the real thing. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, have you done anything with Jesse Griffith's uh, hunt? What's his hunt thing called? Uh, New School of Traditional Cookery. New School mm-hmm. of Traditional Cookery. Yeah, I was. I was the hunts that I was the on-site okay, butcher cool. with. Yeah, oh, so awesome. yeah. I want to talk about like pigs for a second, like because <laughs> it's so interesting. Like people, I agree with everything you've said to this point. Yeah. For some reason, when it comes to killing pigs, I'm just like, whatever. Like, let's just. Why you don't like to eat the... good food? No, no, no. <laughs> well, you, let me have, let me have. It. I'm sure I'm wrong, but like for when it comes to killing pigs, just like yeah. kill them all and throw them in the bushes. Why? That's just what I've done. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know, just because necessity. There, maybe it's just a nuisance. How I well, it's was taught. Maybe, yeah, and and yeah, but I know I have eaten them, and okay. and and they are good. You know, yeah. If, You're talking if, local if wild right. pigs, wild yeah. boar, yeah, wild boar, yeah. Um, but that, for the most part. Not babe. It's not. <laughs> not babe. Yeah. Oh, if babe, if babe got out. Well, we wouldn't throw him in the bushes. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Well, well, he would. He would if babe got out. Because when they get out, they become they become wild. So that essentially, yeah. Babe so did get out. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. ranch we've been to. He talked yeah. about how he, pure pastures. Yeah, yeah. Ranching. They have pigs, and they said yeah. one of their batch of pigs, wild boars, got in there, and they were able to get them out. They didn't get any of the kids in, but just because it was around them. Yeah, and just because it inseminated some of them, it put an instinctual nature in them uh-huh. that you couldn't breed out, and so it like, <laughs> ruined the pigs. Yeah, yeah, calf. <laughs> no way. Yeah. No, real, really. really. Yeah, you, so they had to get rid of the whole batch of pigs because they Man. just became wild. Wow, interesting. Wow. Anyways, okay. What's your work? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What's your, your thought uh, process on on that? So I think that. That it's just the way that it's always been, mm-hmm. you know, that people will see them as a nuisance. Um, again, again, it speaks to our disconnection, right? They don't sit there and look at it and think pork. They sit there and think of it and see pest, Yeah. right? Because Ooh, they're not, so because they've never seen a pig butchered, seen how bacon is made, seen mm-hmm. where pork chops come from. You know, um, or a lot of times, you know, back, you know, like my boss used to raise pigs. So if they already had pigs, why would they want wild pigs? You know, if so, it's just an old school way of thought. Mm-hmm. However, there's a shit ton of pigs. Oh, yeah. And they're pigs. and like they're just spreading Texas yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Right. And so then you start thinking about food sources, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're a food source. They are an easy, easy food source. And so if you don't want to deal with it, you could just bring them to your local wild game butcher, Chris Abigail. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out. Yeah. <laughs> and she'll take care of it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like turn that pest it off your hands. This, yeah. Let me just take it off your hands. I do. I've heard a lot of folk who will do the same thing. They'll just go out, kill them all, and, you know, throw them in a pile and ignore them. Mm-hmm. And my thought has always been like, listen, if you don't want it, I do. I love trash meat. It's like, you don't, all dad, all of that, like, y'all don't want it, we'll take it. Yeah. Because it's really a matter of how you butcher it, how you cook it, 
you know, um, gamier animals may require heavier spice, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, like if you've got an odd or if you've got a pronghorn, right? Like an odd at animals that are eaten in Asia, in the Middle East, in Africa, then you start thinking about, okay, well, what does that cuisine, you know, what kind of spices do they use? What do they do? Right. What do they do? You know, just culinary like butchery is different regionally. It's different, you know, globally. So it's a matter of just thinking creatively, really, Mm -hmm. about about what your pigs could do. You know, I mean, you could really feel dress. A lot of people just don't want to feel dress them because they're full of ticks. Uh, You know, they're nasty. They're stinky. You know, I mean, gut them, but bring them to me, hide on. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take care of it. It's we'll take care of it. It's funny. <laughs> you know what also used to be, uh, there used to be a shit ton of, or, and, um, Buffalo. Buffalo. You know, that, yeah. That I'm kind of reminded of that, yeah. you know, seeing them piled up and yeah. pictures of that and stuff. Granted. Pigs reproduce at a way different rate, I'm sure. Right. Yeah. Well, they can. I mean, my biology science is going to be all wrong on this, but they can produce pretty quickly after. Uh, after we, we learned, yeah. didn't we learn this at our pure pastures? Yeah, the, the gestation is not very really long. Yeah. yeah, but you can multiple in a litter, don't you? Yeah, you, pigs? Yeah, uh, you like get like multiple. Six, whereas at a cow, you're looking at one, two yeah. a year, maybe. Yeah. Pigs, yeah. I think, are like six to twenty. Yeah, there is. And there is a lot of speaking of to bison. I love bison. They are um, my next tattoo is actually is on my mind of getting a bison tattoo because I heard a story about how when it's a storm, when it's storming, right, that bison just kind of charge through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The storm, you know, to get to the other side. And I sort of feel like that's very relevant to, like, my butcher career. really like my approach in life is, like, you know, I always tell my crew, just be the buffalo, right? Yeah. Like, how do you get something done? You just, like, one bite at a time, right? Just, like, be the buffalo yeah. and get through it. And um, so there's a lot of, like, bison reintroduction, you mm-hmm. know, sure. yeah. happening, Um branches are starting to grow them back you know they yeah, yeah they're beautiful animals oh, yeah. what is uh dance with wolves dance with wolves you know tatanka what are the native american let's call it i maybe yeah you haven't seen it you've never seen dances with wolves i've seen it but i just don't remember i don't watch anything with kevin costner i'm kidding that's blasphemy You've watched Waterworld? I do. I do I've seen Waterworld, yeah. Okay. I've never seen like Waterworld. What's the movie where he just switches his accent halfway through the movie? I think that's Waterworld. Earlier, <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. I did this. Um, well, Haley, do you have one more section for us? Do you have it on this date? Yep, on this date. July 7th, 1928, sliced bread was sold for the first time by a bakery uh, in Missouri. How about that? Sliced bread. Best was sold for the first time. Bread. Wasn't it that Betty White was born before sliced bread? <laughs> I think I've seen that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. What does that mean? I mean she like, was born before lifetime. sliced bread. Yeah. She know, was born before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know the saying, it's like. What, what year was that? 1920? 1928. Yeah. 1928. Oh, she died this recently. That's right. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rip. Man, sliced bread. That's 
Yeah. What do you think they said before well, that date? What's the best thing since Betty White? And then like sliced bread, just like she's like a year old. She's like best thing since Betty White. What do you think the haters of sliced bread said? Like, why are you slicing that? So wait, was it just baguettes? Yeah, it's just a loaf of bread. You can't slice a loaf of bread. You can slice it yourself. You know what? That was the start of our disconnection for food. When they started slicing our bread. Now machines do it. Yeah. Well, when was the Great Depression? I bet they were slicing it up for like portion control. You know. Oh. Go bad. Wow. Wow. Uh, 1929. Yeah. Is that true? Except I don't know when. 1929. When was it created? When was it created? 1928. This is 1929. Wow. Just in time. It's probably started in 1927. Maybe that's what Prius, you know, just like brought it about. People just got lazy because now their bread was being sliced. Yeah. Yeah. It is also a very American thing. Well, also, they probably realized they can get more money. Yeah, that's a very American thing. <laughs> it's all very American. Yeah, it, it is all very American. Yeah. Um, well, sandwiches, I, life-changing. I, I, I disagree. Can I can I make a request? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Can we open up one of those sausages? Right Heck now? yeah. 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 I've been it. waiting for you yeah. to say that all day. Okay. Let me use my knife over here. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I'll grab it. Do we have a knife in here? What's your, your flathead knife? <laughs> Let's all just pass it around. And- yeah, I mean that's how that's how that's how we would do it at hunt camp, right? Yeah, it's the same. There, it's vacuum Why sealed. Your muscles. <laughs> You're gonna have to button up your Hawaiian shirt. One more button if you can't rip that open. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Cheers. A- Cheers. Here. Mm. <laughs> it's okay. Is this what smoked with post oak as well? Yeah. So oh, this is so good. This is our cold smoke, and then we'll put it in our dry oh house. God. You didn't even wait. You just. <laughs> I didn't. Good thing she's off camera. <laughs> cheers. 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 This is great. I want to end on this question. You can chew. Well, okay. I ask it. Um, it's a question that we we ask everybody in one sentence if possible what does the outdoors mean to you oh (laughs) the outdoors to me is connection i think if i was going to say it in one word it's connection whether it's connecting as a hunter to your prey, whether it's connecting on a hike with other people, whether it's bird watching, whether it's gardening, whether it's talking on Facebook to other gardeners, farmers, ranch, like anything is all about connection, mm-hmm. I would say. That's good. I like that. Yeah. No, he's connecting with his sausage. Yeah. yeah. This is Let connection me right here. Coleman slowly chews the rest of his sausage, <laughs> waiting to close. Um, well, that's all we have time for, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Plug your stuff, though. Where can people um, take their stuff to you? Where can they reach out? Um, uh, so, podcast. Oh, yeah. oh, everything. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram under Chris Abigail. It's... Uh, yeah, yeah, spicy. <laughs> spicy. It's spicy. It's uh, K R I S S underscore A B I G I I L. 
G A I L. I do know how to spell my own name. <laughs> yeah. It's two first names. They can find you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm launching the Meat Room in November, and you can find that on Spotify. And you can bring me your hunted animals to Cat Creek Taxidermy and Game Processing. We're near Sisterdale, out of Bernie. Um, find us on Instagram under Cow Creek Nation. Find us on Facebook. I'm there all the time. We're awesome. The dry sausage proves it. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Very good. So good. Yeah. Thank you so much for, thank you. for coming on again. Uh, thank you all. It is awesome. It's amazing just to hear about, you know, or just look at your story and, and be able to be like, man, what would have happened if your camera gear did not get stuck? Right. right? Where would you be today? So, um, yeah. Really great. Thank you so much. Thank you all. This has been so great. Absolutely. This is my first time. We'll do it again. Okay. We will. Great. Thank you.